All right, thank you, Ensemble. And wonderful song, it's one of my favorite songs, appreciate that. But uh, if we can turn our Bibles again to Philippians chapter 1 this morning, and look forward to, again, getting to meet you all, and hope you stay for our uh, fellowship lunch. And um, please, if, uh, if I don't quite get your name right the first time, um, just uh, again, I'll probably ask your name a couple of times in the next couple of weeks, and then even when we return, Lord willing, later uh, in a couple of months. But um, that's just the, the way it is, isn't it? When we're, we're trying to get acquainted, get to know each other. I was, uh, really had a great time with the young adults last evening, so I appreciate um, Danny and Jen organizing that and, and everyone else. Uh, we drove from, we stayed overnight at Coffs Harbor on Friday, and then we drove through to, uh, to Brisbane yesterday through the morning, and then um, took a, had a bit of a break in the afternoon, then went straight to, to the fellowship here, and I could see that there was a whole, whole host of our young adults, and it was good, to, there was a good buzz in the place, and, and, um, and you know, I just knew I was in the right place when the first activity was a dessert night, right, so... Um, and I went into the kitchen. I'd never been in there, so went in there, and it was like a scene of MasterChef, all right? And uh, I'm not sure if the young adults would agree if the, the products were like MasterChef, but it was like that. It was, uh, there was uh, Danny and Jen were running around, as well as Lisa and George and some others were running around everywhere there trying to get everything prepared. And they let me know. They said, look, after your devotion, we're going to serve, um, serve dessert. So I knew at that point, from the perspective of those receiving the desserts, I needed to be short, but then for their sake, I needed to be a little bit longer, all right? But um, I didn't know if I found the right balance there, but everyone got their dessert, everyone was happy, and we had a good time. And I mentioned to the, to the young adults last night that uh, with the conversations that I had, they were asking, well, what's, what's going to be happening now? And honestly, our goal is just to get settled, but then also to get to know you. We want to get to know you, our church family, and you know, just, just get to know not only just your names, but who you are and what God's do, doing in your life, and, and hopefully you'll get to get to know us a little bit as well. That's really our heart. We want, to, we want to build strong relationships in the church, and that's what we want to do. We want to see that just, um, just as we settle in, and so we're looking forward to that, getting to know you. Please don't be shy. We'll try not to be shy as well, and you're going to find out that we're just... Uh, we're just just want to be real with you, and we just want to be genuine in our in in just our care for you. And as the Lord has led us here, and as the Lord enables us, we want to get to know you and just serve alongside you and serve you as we serve the Lord. But um, you know, I'm thankful for our church, I really am. And if I want to say, I want to say, if you're a guest of our church, welcome. It's sort of my first Sunday too, so you're not alone. And we're glad that, um, that you're, you can join us, and we're privileged, and the Lord bless you for being here this morning. But we read Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11 this morning, and uh, I wonder if you ever just listen to yourself about the things that you, you, you're thankful for. You know, we, we, we tend to want to teach our children how to be thankful, right? And we want them to, to be thankful for good things, thankful for those things that that matter. And, and really, when you, when you start to listen to yourself and start to think about those things that you're thankful for, what, what that indicates actually is the things that you value most. Those things that you value, those things that you, you, you hold in high regard. 
And, and so this morning, I want to just bring you a thought because Paul here, actually in writing to this church, said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. This was a church in Philippi that as Paul, in reflection of his time there and reflection of the, those moments that, that they, they had in common, it caused him to be thankful. And this morning, I want to challenge our church uh, about the characteristics of a thankworthy church. Because I, I want to tell you that, that aside from you know, those things that are very human, the, the need to, to belong, the need, to, um, the need for, for care, all of that, you know, the, the two essentials for every person, I think, is this. You need to get saved. If you're not saved, you need to be saved. But then I want to tell you, if you are saved, you need to belong to a church. You need to be part of a church. And I think if we hold up those things that God holds up, then God blesses our lives. When we look at the fact that, that the church is the only uh, institution that, that God has purchased with His own blood, when the church is held up in high regard in God's view and God's sight, then we need to have the same mentality as well. You know, sometimes we can visit a place and we can go to a city perhaps and there's certain things that we remember. If you've uh, been to Sydney, maybe you remember the, the Sydney Harbour, the Harbour Bridge, the Opera House. You've been to different places. Maybe there's a favorite restaurant or a cafe that you often look forward to in that place. Maybe it's certain other characteristics of that place. But in, in thinking about Philippi, Paul remembered the church. He remembered a group of people. And, and can I remind you this morning that the church isn't the building. The church is the people. Right? That's you and I. And so when we're speaking about the church this morning, please have it in mind, we're speaking about us this morning. We're speaking about this collective of individuals that God has set in this place for this time, and we're to be a church, and a church family that is thankworthy. See, the theme of the book of Philippians is rejoicing. The form of joy or rejoicing, and all of its derivatives are found several times throughout the book, but it's worth noting that actually Paul wrote this from a, from a, a Roman jail. And actually, and not unlike the situation he first found himself in during his initial visit to Philippi, where he was thrown in jail along with Silas. It was here that, that really Philippi is a chief city of, of Macedonia. It was in this city that, uh, that uh, Paul was able to see Lydia saved, the seller of purple, it was here where her household also got saved. She was a, a wealthy woman who was able to have believers gather in her home. Later, Paul was able to cast a spirit of divination from a certain damsel. Her masters were angered as they were making money from her de demonic possession, and they incited a riot that caused Paul and Silas to be thrown into jail. And so he writes from jail to probably a lot of people that he saw saved from his time in jail over there in Philippi. And Paul, in remembering all of this, he, he thinks of those who made up that church. And, you know, recently, as we've prepared to come here, I did ask, and, and just, just to be honest, if I do know your name, um, I do try to remember, but I also, if I haven't met you and I know your name, please don't get freaked out. I don't, I don't read minds, okay? But what I do have is uh, I did ask Andrew for uh, a list of the church. And I've been trying to learn... And, and what we've been doing is try to remember everyone. 
been trying to remember through prayer, remember through rehearsal of, of just an, a list of names. And, and I want to say to you that I just don't want to have a list of names in mind. I want to remember things about you. I, I want to, uh, uh, my, my hope and my, uh, my goal as we uh, get settled in is that we start to form good memories together as a church family. That as we look forward to the future, there's things that God will bring us along the way that God will bring us through, but we'll get to just receive that and, and just do something together for the cause of Christ. And, and Paul was remembering all of these, and he was thankful not for the church building, not for Philippi the city, and, and perhaps those places that, that his mind's eye could cast back to, all of the, the beauty that surrounded that. He was thankful for members that made up the church. And we're going to observe here why, though. And I want, to, I want to encourage you and perhaps even help you just be a little reflective because, you know, sometimes when we do things enough and we come to things enough, we can forget why we were thankful in the first place. You know, sometimes we can be part of our church. And, and I'd, again, I'd love to know your story and I'd love to know how long you've been part of this, our church family. I'd love to get to know your story, how you came here, uh, how, to, how, how God brought you here. But, you know, sometimes as, as you've started to come over the years, you can start to take a little bit for granted what you have. You, you can start to suddenly just make it uh, too normal in the sense of, well, it's just, it's just another scheduled thing that we have in our week. And, and before long rather than having the mentality that this is special and it's something to be valued, we can suddenly start to look around and maybe focus on imperfections. Focus on those things that we hear or those things that we, uh, we, we tend to be bothered about. And before long, a spirit of not thankfulness, but a spirit of complaining can come in. But it started with just forgetting. Just forgetting how valuable the church is, and how, how much God has done through the, the ministry and the work of a church family. And, and, and Paul really, in doing this, in saying thanks for these things, reminds them of, of what it is, what's a thankworthy church. And he starts off in verse 1, and he says, Paul and Timotheus, the servant of Jesus Christ, he refers to them to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, so the pastors and deacons, he was greeting them. And, and, and again, the, 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 the way God has designed the church is that we would have a membership and that we would have deacons and we would have pastors. You would have a pastor who would head up the, the, as an overseer of the church and then he greets them with grace, be unto you and peace from God. Uh, Paul often, in writing to several uh, to, to several churches, as we read, read through the New Testament, he greets them with grace and peace and often mercy as well. And so this was a common greeting uh, from Paul. And we're going to now get into the, the couple of verses here. And, you know, Philippi was just one of uh, three churches that he directly said he was thankful for. And so we're going to learn some things here this morning through the church of Philippi. And he says, firstly, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, he says, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. And notice what he says in verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. 
And I want to say to you that, that if we're going to be a thankworthy church, well, let's just remember what it is that we're here for. It's our fellowship in the gospel. You know, if we were to stop right now and if I was to have you have a little bit of a think and maybe have a little bit of a conversation with the person next to you, uh, I wonder if you could tell your story about how you got saved. I wonder if, if the, the person that you married, I wonder if they were reached because of the ministry of this church and your, your marriage is what it is, is because they were reached. And, and Paul, in reflection of the fact that really he was instrumental in, in the way that, that the, a household, at least the Philippian jailer, and then those that I mentioned, Lydia, the seller of purple, and her household and others, they were all part of this city, but now they're part of this family. And these households were now under one household of faith. And you know, it wasn't because they had certain commonalities. It wasn't because they all had the same background. It wasn't because they had all of these different things that, that really, when they looked at it, they were all in common with each other. No, the greatest thing they had in commonality was this. They were reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know, I look around and there's a great diversity here this morning. Uh, I'm sure as we get to know each other, you're going to find that we're all from different walks of life. We're all from different backgrounds. We're all uh, different in our, uh, in our preferences. We're all different in the way we look at life. And, but here's what we're going to find. We're here because someone shared the gospel with us and because God did, did a work in our lives. That's what we're here for. And the greatest commonality we have is our fellowship. But it's not just any fellowship. So fellowship in the gospel. You know, what we find here, firstly, is that they had a bond that was positional. He said he addressed them to all the saints in Christ Jesus. You know, if you're saved, you're a saint. You're a separated one. You're someone that God looks at as holy. And in our position in Christ, no matter what you've done, if you're saved, you believed in the gospel then all of that God looks through the blood of Christ and He sees you as clean. He sees you as someone who, who has been redeemed. You're one who is separated for His usage. He says in Philippians 4.21, He says, Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are, are, are with me greet you. And the, the, the position that we hold in Christ, He sees us you're saved. That's how God sees you. You know, sometimes we forget in our gathering together that when we see each other in all of our human imperfection and flaw, and, and by the way, can I just say, the more probably you know me, you'll see my flaws. We're, none of us are perfect. But you know, actually in our position in Christ, we ought to see each other as saints. Don't forget that 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 person you're next to, the person in front of you, the person behind you, if they're saved, God sees them as his saint. Positionally, we have that bond. We gather together, and you know what? None of us have a greater rank. You know what our rank is? Saint. Saint. We are in that. That's our position. We, we don't come here with all of these uh, decorated rankings and, and and, you know, achievements, we come equal footing at the foot of the cross. And he makes us equal that way. You know, I, I remember my dad was telling me a story about the fact that, you know, he, was, he had just gotten saved and, and there he was working on the, 
uh, naval base there in, in the Philippines, and they would have a Bible study sometimes at their, on their base. So it was an American um, U.S. Navy base there in the Philippines. And, you know, he would have all of these managers, but not only that, high-ranking officers, they would come into the, to the meeting. And you know what? Outside of the Bible study, there would be the salute. But inside, you know, the ranks were gone. And honestly, as we look around, sometimes we can make judgments about where we're at with the Lord. But actually, just initially, can I remind you, if you're saved, you're a saint. And we're to treat each other that way as we have our fellowship in the gospel. You know, we have our bond and our position in Christ through the salvation He's given us. Can I again just say that none of us here earned salvation, right? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. None of us here can boast that we were better than the other. No, we were all sinners in need of a Savior, and we were all saved by grace. None of us earned that. And so we're all saints, and we have this positional bond, but you know what? It was also a family bond. He said there, therefore, in, in Philippians 4.1, he says, my brethren, dearly beloved. We read already in, in the, the, the end of this, uh, this great letter, he says in chapter 4, verse 21, he not only salute every saint in Christ Jesus, he says, the brethren greet you. And I want to say that in our fellowship in the gospel, not only is it a positional bond, but we have a family bond. You know, I mentioned in my introduction that one of the great human needs is the need to belong. That, that's just a, that's human nature. We want to belong. And you know, God does it better. You know, we have our family and we're glad I, I mentioned my, my parents are here, my sister and, and her family are here. But you know, I came here with this idea and thought, you know, we're not coming as strangers. We're coming to our family. And we have a family here. And, you know, the, the church, as he greeted them, he called them brethren. You know, the Bible says in Romans 8.15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, if you're saved here, you've been adopted into God's family. But listen, sometimes we forget that because of the gospel, we don't just have our family. We have the greater family in Christ. You know, all, all of us here, we ought to have that mindset. We're coming to a family that we belong to, that, that we want others to belong to, that we, we want others to know about. And, and really, God's desire one day is to have one great big family reunion. And I know that's got a bit of a negative connotation sometimes right here. But you know, in heaven, when everything's perfect, it's going to be great. <laughs> you know, it's not only going to be a few voices singing. We're all going to be singing, and we'll, I'll tell you what, we'll all be singing in pitch. All right? All the choir directors are excited about heaven. <laughs> but honestly, we all, we're, we're family in Christ. But as many as received Him to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. And this morning, can I tell you, uh, perhaps you're finding a place to belong. Perhaps you're here this morning. If There's never been a time where you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, through Him you can be saved and through Him you can belong. You can belong to a family. I'll tell you, if we're the kind of family that we, we ought to be, that this family will care. This family will love. 
This family will include. This family will find a place for you to belong. But not only is there a family bond, there's lastly, really quickly, a missional bond. Because you know what the gospel is? The gospel's a work. You know what that means? We all have one common purpose, and that's to, to get the gospel to all creatures. That means all of us individually, not only were we the beneficiaries of someone showing us and through the Word of God how to be saved, but actually we have now a responsibility to tell others. You know what? It is encouraging to have guests in the church. And so if you're a guest, you encourage me. I might not even know you're a guest. But thank you for being here. It's an encouragement. But what that ought to be, there ought to be a mindset that not only on a Sunday but throughout the week, we are the church. We are to be on mission. We are to be missional. We are, our purpose in, in, in having those life stage ministries like teens and young adults and children's ministry and the, uh, the charge keepers and everything else in between, you know, all of that, the mindset ought to be that we would see a community come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, even in our driving here, just, again, just wandering in my mind, uh, the, the households that we pass on the way between Chermside and here, uh, how many uh, have we reached? How many have we told? How many have we, uh, have we at least given a track to? How many have we spoken to? How many have we uh, even stopped to greet and try to invite them to come to church? Because actually the fellowship in the gospel means that it's our mission. It's a purpose. And we ought to take responsibility. He says in Philippians 4.3, he says, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. Later down in Philippians 1 verse 27, he says, Only let your conversation, that's your manner of life, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And he's saying here that the fellowship that, that he's thankful for in the gospel is all about the fact that they were all pulling together with that great purpose. And perhaps, again, as you think about it, there, there were those that reached out to you. I hope that as we come along, we have special events and, and big events in our church that, that you would have the confidence that if, if you were to get a guest to come along and they weren't saved, that, that somehow they're going to hear about the gospel. And that's, that's a thankworthy thing for a church. And, and you know, as I've learned already, uh, some, um, I've heard stories of this person invited that person, and they got saved. And this person, they were the ones that introduced them to the church, and now they're part of the church. You know, I, I get more excited about that than anything. <laughs> I get more excited about that, and, and, you know, if you start to get to know me, I really, really like coffee, and I'm really, really thankful we have a cafe. But I'm more thankful about those stories of people being introduced to Jesus than even the coffee that I'm semi-addicted to. <laughs> and that's great. And so we see that, that really the first thing that, as we think about it, the characteristics of a thankworthy church, we see that there was, a, there was that, that understanding that, that they had a fellowship in the gospel. Secondly, in verse 6, notice he says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Next, we see that there was a focus on God's continued working. Not only did Paul recognize that they were, they were saved, that they had a, the fellowship in the gospel, that God was continuing a work in them. You know, one of the, the 
the parts of the Great Commission that often we would miss is just the fact that we're supposed to teach them and to observe all things. Well, that is, it's discipleship, it's an, a continuing growth. And, you know, I, I want to say that as we, as we labor together, as we get to know each other, I hope that, that if, you're, if you're stunted in your growth, that, that we would just go on a growth journey together. That we would just grow in the things of Christ, that, that not only are we happy about our salvation, but that we would understand that this, our salvation is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. You know, uh, the Bible likens you to a, a, a baby in Christ when you're saved. And, you know, babies, we get worried when they don't grow, right? I think we understand the concept. They're meant to grow. They're meant to change. And over time, they're meant to develop. And there's a focus then of continued growth. But we see Paul wanted to remind them that, that part of their, his thankfulness for them was the fact that he was confident that, that he that which begun a good work in them will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. And it's important, church, to recognize that our lives were designed to have an output of growth. And notice a couple of things here about, about this continued work. It was a sure work. He, he didn't question. He, he said in verse 6, being confident. You know, as he observed, he was confident of their growth. You know, for a little while, we're going to be away. We're going to be just trying to get, get things tied up over in Sydney. We're going to have a couple of months. And you know what I'd love to see? That this isn't just a pause. That there would be a continuing, and when we return, there would be a growth. That I look, and I was just, oh, Pastor, this, this family's joined, or oh, Pastor, this, this family's starting to really commit. They're really just, they used to be just, you know, this, a few services at a time, but now they're coming all the time. Now they're starting to serve. You know what that is? It's continued work. Because, because the whole point of salvation isn't just to save you. It's, to, it's for God to give you a purpose. It's for God to bring you along, and you're meant to continue to grow. And this was a sure work. Paul was confident. But he noted it was a Savior's work. You know, he which begun. You know, the, the fact that you're on this growth journey, it's not about you. It's not because, again, it was your earning. No, it was because of the grace of God in your life. Listen, faith, faith by nature grows. Faith is, like, is likened to a, a, a seed that is planted in the ground. You know what seeds do? They die and then they grow. And, and I want to challenge you this morning. Grow. See, it's a Savior's work. He, he begun the work in you. Uh, I don't know if you, you do these from time to time, but on a Sunday night, we, we've, in the past, I've loved the testimony time. And you know, the, the best testimonies are just testimonies where it's just about praising God. Praising God for what He's done. The, the thing, you know, we ought to be thankful for, for the Savior's work in our life. But then notice, thirdly, it's a significant work. Notice in verse 6, we, He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it. Perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That word perform means to carry out, to accomplish, to fulfill. You know, the, the, the fact is that, that Jesus, in saving you, has a, has a great goal for you. He has a great destination for you. And you know, He wants to perform it in you. He wants, he wants to accomplish this thing in your life. And what, what His promise is that, that this work isn't going to be left undone. 
It will be done. And you know how often you know, we, we look at that and we forget that actually God wants to do a work in our lives. And often what he does is he'll plant you in a local church. And he'll help others to help you grow. It's seldom that we see um, really it, in, in anywhere where there's a, there's a Christian who goes, a, 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 goes beyond just the, just the salvation in their lives and grows to maturity that there was no church involved. God's design was that they would be part of a local church. And so there's a sure work, a Savior's work. It was a significant work, but it was a work that needed to be continued. And so he looked at the, the brethren in Philippi and he says, I'm confident, being confident of this very thing. He, he saw, he saw there was no question in his mind that God was working in them and he became thankful for that. But then notice verses seven and eight. Notice here, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart in as much as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, says, ye all are partakers of my grace, for God is my record, how greatly I long after you in all the bowels of Jesus Christ. And notice Paul's feeling, this intense feeling. He had him in his heart. He, he longed to see them in his bowels. And he, he said, it's just this deep down desire for you. And you know, the reason why was this, he says there, that they were all partakers of his grace. You know, not only did they understand that Paul had a mission, they were also part of that. They Here's the point. He was thankful because they were faithful in their labor for the Lord. Right? When he understood his situation, he knew that they were partakers of that as well. They were going through what they were going through too. Because they were also faithful in the things that God had called them to do. Um, the, the Philippian church, again, it was a unique position to empathize with Paul as he sat in a Roman jail because at least one household that we know of, the Philippian jailer, at least one household had experience of someone, one of their loved ones being in jail. Be, being in that hardship that Paul was going through. And not just because of, of his own, own foolishness. No, it wasn't that. It was for the gospel's sake. It wasn't, he wasn't in jail because he committed a crime. No, because he was faithful to the gospel. And, and so he understood that really when he reflected on them. Notice here what he said. Um, Even as it is meet or fitting for me to think of you all. Because I have you in my heart, and as much as both in my bonds, he will say, you're all partakers of this. What that's saying is that they were also going through some, some suffering. They were also going through some, uh, some, uh, some hardship because of, the, uh, because of the gospel. They were doing their bit. They were doing their part. Here's what I'm saying. They were involved. It wasn't that they were just sitting back and watching Paul go through what he was going through. No, as he thought about them in his heart, in his bowels, you know, in the deep recesses of all of his being is what he was saying. He thought about the fact that they were all partakers. They were all involved. They all had a part to play and they played it. They understood because they were also willing to be persecuted and sacrificed not only that, they willingly invested. Look at chapter 4 now, and I want to show you this, verses 15 to 19. Really quickly, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. He says, but for even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desired a gift, but I desired fruit 
that may abound to your account, but I have all and abound, I am full, which having received the Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We so often claim that, that promise without context. No, they sacrificed. Not only were they involved in the labor, they, they were also invested in the labor. They were part of it. They, they, they gave financially to help continue the work. They sent to meet needs even when it was difficult. And what we find about Paul's commendation to this dear group of people in Philippi was they were, he was just thankful from the bottom of his heart for the fact that they were just, just faithful to labor. You know, he was absent from them, but he was confident that they were just going on for the Lord. He was absent from them. He was going through his own trials and, and all, all of the hardship that he was going through. And yet, in all of that, he wasn't worried about the church. No, he was filled with great comfort. And I wonder, I wonder in our separation a little bit, would we just be found faithful? I don't, there's nothing new here this morning. I'm just reminding you about things you already know. I, was, I, want, I wonder if we would just be faithful. I wonder if it would have to just be special Sundays that we get motivated to come along and be part of it. No, I hope that we're just here. And not, not just here, we're laboring, we're, we're getting involved. You know, one of the things that I'd love to, again, understand is, is who's, who's doing what? What, what, what? what do we have as far as ministries are concerned? Who, what what ways are we using our spiritual gifts for the glory of God? And and I'd love to see, you know, as we look at it, you know, I've always always viewed in my time visiting, I've always viewed Good Shepherd Baptist Church as a laboring church. And I wanna I wanna commend you for that, but I also want to encourage you to keep going in that. Labor for the for the uh, for the Lord and and he, you know he was thankful for that, but then not only that, lastly, really quickly, as he thought of, about them individually, in verses 9 to 11, notice he, he starts to now pray for them. And, and again, if you're, sometimes we wonder about what to pray for for people. You know, what do you pray for? We have the prayer list, right? Um, I notice in your bulletin there's some prayer requests. But sometimes we, we don't know someone and we don't know their struggle and we struggle to pray for them. Here's a good list. Now, this is a good list for you to pray for people. I said, this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are, which are by Christ Jesus unto the glory and praise of God. So he, he lists a couple of things there. I want to just break that down. And here's the point. He was thankful for them. And that caused him to pray for furtherance. Furtherance in spiritual character. You know, what, what he desired for, for them as he was thankful for was that the fact that they were these, but they were to be furthered in them. You know, one of the things that, that God wants to develop in each and every one of us is spiritual character. It's not just, just, you know, not just character in general, no spiritual character. Characteristics that affect eternity. And, and he's saying that you have these, but I'm praying that you're furthered in them. And so firstly, I want to ask, as we go through this, do we have these? And then how much further should we go in these? And Paul prays for them now. 
And again, the things that Paul prayed for, they were things that they uh, essentially had, but he wanted to emphasize that they continue on and further themselves in. And the first thing he says is that, that they would further themselves in love. He says that your love may abound. You know, this wasn't simply a charge to grow in their affection for each other. But it was also a challenge for them to grow in the, in the, the communication of their love for the Lord and their love for others. You know, I, I truly, as, as we've, we've started to make the, the move here emotionally and, and in our minds, what I've sensed is God just growing our love for you. Now, that might seem strange right now, but that's just, it's just God doing that. But I'll tell you, sometimes we're in a congregation, we're part of a, a church family, and apart from our inner circle, Sometimes we're not growing in our, we're not abounding in our love for one another. Sometimes we've sat here for years and, and perhaps you're sensing, maybe you're feeling like you're the one not, not getting the care, but can I just tell you that, that sometimes when that is the situation, it's actually our responsibility to love too. We're not just to be receivers of love, we're to be givers of love. And we love because he first loved us. And we understand that, that by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have loved one for another. And he's saying to this church, you know, I'm thankful for you, but here's what I want to pray. I want to pray that you further yourselves in love, that, that your, your love may abound. It wasn't a, just a simple charge. It's not just about affection. You know, affection can be temporary. He says, grow in that, abound in that, in knowledge and in all judgment. And so, knowledge of each other, but in judgment in the way you see each other. Saying, grow in your love for that, for each other. Grow in your love for the Lord. And, and so, he said, further yourselves in love. Secondly, he says, further yourselves in excellence, that you may approve things that are excellent. And so, further yourself in excellence. Excellence is being of great virtue and worth. It's doing things well. It's approving of those things that are done well. And, and as believers, Paul was praying that they would prioritize really those things that were worthy. You know, sometimes we get preoccupied with, with other things, other details in life that we, we just, we don't, we don't look for the excellent things and don't, don't emphasize that. And he's saying, you know, grow in your excellence. Notice the next thing he says, that you may be sincere in verse 10. Says that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. You know, we ought to be furthering ourselves in sincerity. You know, as we sing, as we sing, as we come together, I hope that we sing and, and come together with absolute sincerity in our hearts to the Lord. You know, I hope we don't sing out of just memory, out of rote. No, we would sing with just a sincerity, a depth of sincerity. I hope that we would greet each other with a great sincerity. I hope that we would pray with great sincerity. It says, you prove those things that are worthy, excellent, but you further yourself in sincerity. As a church, as a church family, we need to be sincere in our seeking to please the Lord. We need to be sincere in our seeking to care for each other. It shouldn't just be about duty and responsibility. You know, our turning up today is not just about filling that pew. No, it's about being in our place sincerely to praise and worship and give God the, the priority that He deserves. But then he says, lastly, you need to further yourself in righteousness, in 
verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. He says that, that he, he's praying that they're filled with the fruits of righteousness. You know, Paul challenges them to, to really, lastly, to show fruits of righteousness. Righteousness is doing right because we've been made right. And, you know, none of us here, it, we're, none of us are righteous in our own right. But we're righteous because of what Jesus did. But he wants us to remain righteous. He wants us to grow in our righteousness. I wonder if we're doing right. I wonder if those things that, that perhaps in the times where we're sort of no one else is seeing, I wonder if we're just being righteous. I wonder if, if we would just be righteous in our judgments you know, this was really what he was saying. He, he wanted to see an outward demonstration of their changed lives. You know, sometimes I wonder, I wonder often about how many people we've, we've won. How many, how many people have we won to the Lord? But you know, the, the more sobering thought is this. How many people have we lost to the, to the devil? How many people have we lost to this God-forsaken world because our testimony hasn't been right. You know, sometimes we focus on that, but sometimes it just simply, we just need to have a righteous testimony <laughs> before others. And I wonder if we would just, uh, this morning, think about the times where we've been challenged about laboring for the Lord. I wonder if you've found great fulfillment because you're, you're doing something with, with the life that God has given you, and it's because you've been given opportunity in your local church. I wonder if we would just think about messages that have been preached through the Word of God where you've been furthered in your spiritual character. I wonder if we would just think about the, all of the, the, the times when we've been able to just be faithful in our labor for the Lord. And, and again, I'm looking forward to, to just hearing about where you're at, what you do, what part you play. And I'll tell you, I want to I help you along that journey and you pray for me as I labor for the Lord too. And, and this morning, I want to say that truly I'm thankful for our church. I'm thankful that as I observe, even in this, this short amount of time, I've started to get to know you, all those stories of the fellowship in the gospel. I know that there's a good group of you heading out to the outback, right? That's great. Wonderful. You've got missionaries on the field who are reaching people. Praise God. You know what that is? That's your fellowship in the gospel. When was the last time you thanked God for that? You know, I look around, and I, as I said, I've observed it's a laboring church. You just, you just had to go back in the kitchen last night to see everyone running around, getting the, you know, all of the dessert ready for, for young adults, and, and it was a great time. Then people afterwards just packing up, putting the chairs away, all of that. You know what? All of that was not just a decorum. All of that, I think, was just because they just love what they're doing for God. When was the last time we just thought about and thank God for our part and then also those who labored? You know, we arrived to a, a clean auditorium. We arrived with, with the, the choir was prepared. You know, the, the sound guys, they don't get too much enough love, but my microphone's working this morning. All right? All of that, you know what? It was just thankful. I'm just thankful for faithful labor for the Lord. I wonder if we just thought about the fact that, you know, as a church, we've got, uh, we've got that 
those who faithfully labor, those who uh, just are continuing, who maybe they've just been saved recently and, and you're starting to see God just starting to work in their lives. Maybe those that you've prayed for. Maybe those that, you, that struggled a little while, but now they're coming good. You know, praise God. That's just God's faithful work in their lives. God's furthering. And then we think about all those opportunities that we had. And, and so I wonder if when the last time we just had a prayer to just thank God for our church. You know, that might be a good circuit breaker at times. We just took the time. And, and I'm going to do something a little bit different. I know it's my first Sunday. It's already different. But um, I, I want to ask you those questions. And I want to ask you to just reflect a little bit. If you're comfortable enough and you're, maybe you're sitting with a friend or si- sitting with someone that you're close to, I wouldn't even mind a little bit of chatter. And I want to I, I ask you to reflect this morning a little bit. Because at the end, notice what he says in verse 11, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. You know what we're going to start to see as we reflect a little bit this morning? That ought to drive us then to praise God. To give God thanks because it was God. It wasn't the, the cleverness of the, the staff. It wasn't, you know, it was, it was God that did the work here. And at the end, Paul recognized that as well. He says, unto the glory and praise of God. But here's a, what I want you to reflect. He say, I want to ask you to reflect on this. What, was, what has the gospel witness of our church meant to you? Maybe you're sitting with your wife, your husband this morning is because someone won them here. Maybe your children recently got saved and it's because of the work of the children's ministry. Maybe someone introduced you to Christ here and now you're part of this church family, but what has the gospel witness of our church meant to you? Maybe you've got a family that's lost and you just have people you know, they fervently pray for your family. When was the last time you thought, you thought about that and thanked someone for it, thank God for that? So that's first. What has the gospel witness of our church meant to you? What has God continued to do in your life because of our church? Okay, what are some things that you know you've grown in personally? You know that you were here, but you're here now because of the work of the church. How has our church given you opportunity to be involved and invest in God's work? Maybe you're, you're laboring in a certain area and you just find great fulfillment in that. Maybe you've seen others come along. Whatever that is, how has being part of our church furthered you in your life for God? I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes to just reflect a little bit. We don't need the piano yet. We'll, we'll have that in a little while. And again, talk to the person next to you. I know we're doing it a little bit different, but chat about those four things. What has the gospel witness of our church meant to you? What has God continued to do in your life because of our church? How has our church given you opportunity to be involved and invest in God's work? And how has being part of our church furthered, in your, uh, furthered you in your life for, for the Lord? All right, so chat away. Think about it. Go ahead. I want chatter. All right, I want chatter, and um, and then 